Good day and welcome to Film Exploration with Ash Hurry and we're here with Season 12 where we are bringing you a horror movie a day every day until October 31st. And for today's episode, it wouldn't be a Halloween horror season if I didn't talk about the epitome of our Halloween movie. So for today's episode, right in time for the sequel, we're going to be talking about the 1993 family adventure film Hocus Pocus. Directed by Kenny Ortega and starring Bette Milder, Sarah Jessica Parker, Kathy and Jimmy, Omri Katz, Thora Birch and Vanessa Shaw. Nothing can break, nothing can break me down. This film was meant to be something else entirely, attracting others entirely, being a landmark for Disney, the actors, the technological aspects, and of course the legacy this film unexpectedly has left behind. Leonardo DiCaprio choosing what's eaten Gilbert Grape over the role of Max in Hocus Pocus, or director Kenny Ortega to select in Sarah Jessica Parker over Jennifer Lopez. Just a slight handful of the things that occurred that would have probably altered the growing legacy this film has received thanks to the execution of one of the most beloved movies of all time. Hocus Pocus was initially meant to be a lot darker than Disney made it out to be back when they bought the script in 1984, when the working title at the time was Disney's Halloween House. However, when released in the summer of 1993, the first Disney film to ever use digital visual effects, no one would have guessed this film would have not only made $39 at the box office, but continually grow every year since then as a popular October movie that kept appearing on TV becoming a traditional societal watch that reunited groups of friends, families, and even strangers when festivals decided to implement the mythology of Hocus Pocus in their festivals. Now, 39 million sounds like a lot for sure, but in fact, it tanked. Dropping out of the top 10 within three weeks didn't even get received that much when it went to video, but it was when Disney put it on cable in 1994 that the appeal started to grow, and from then on, it never went below that, just onwards and upwards. The film was actually shot during Halloween in 1992 to add to the tasteful authenticity this film resonates. A five-month shoot that saw them span from early October to late February. Now, fast forward almost 30 years, we are now getting a sequel, which seems to be part of a contemporary custom that the public has so craved. Right or wrong takes a backseat here. However, the risk of ruining the original with this one is one that I am wary of. It's sort of set aside that, because to see the Sanderson sisters grace our screens again, I must say, is a real head spinner in the best way possible. Seeing Bette Milder, who at 48 at the time of filming the original, playing Wilfred Sanderson at the age of 76, with the spirit and charisma she apparently hasn't lost, it's going to be a spectacle. And that is increasingly impressive scene in this film. is not about time travel or action or based on a comic book, but about witches. Our three main witches, who are meant to be sisters, even though they have different colour hair, which adds more flavour that outweighs the biological logic in favour of a vibrant enforcement on a dark story, but... They're all named after something. Winifred is actually named after Winnie Gills from The Many Loves of Dobie Gills. And the other two are named after the actresses themselves, Sarah and Mary. Mary being Kathy Majimi's middle name. So the ever-exciting, spine-chilling backstory of the Sanderson sisters who were hanged in Salem, Massachusetts in 1693, October 31st. Whereas the date is a little fabricated, the stories of witches being hung is completely true by the town of Salem who accused 19 women possessed by the hands of the devil and were all hung, not burnt, as mythology suggests. 
This is where the term bewitched come from, the idea of influence greater than logical reasoning, and it seems given the consistencies with the inconsistencies with plot, depth, and somewhat fortunate occurrences of this movie, a certain bewitching has occurred with this film that defied all odds and became a household name despite the awful reviews it received at the time. Now, it's quite tough to overplay just how much the critics and even some people at the time loathed this movie. Seems to be a trend with greats in the early 90s like Shawshank Redemption completely bombing when it was released. The biggest driver of this resurgence is I ironically that this halloween movie wasn't another slasher when at the time it became a trend to splash out as much blood as you could muster a film did have a few flashes of scare and thrill but it was a comedy with a serious minded tone of a situation that compelled these characters to take a grip of a position during the stereotypical image of a halloween night it was probably the most commercial family movie with horror aspects that survived above the rest and that demographic attracted is one of the main reasons why this film is so talked about and loved If you take away the imagery, the iconography of Halloween and the fact it's about witches, this film is pretty much a comedy. Yes, we are told the witch's objective is to kill children, but we never take it too seriously until maybe a few seconds at the end. What this film is comfortable doing is not trying to scare you, but submerge the audience completely in this diegetic world where you are Max or Alison or Danny. And when you probably watched this film for the first time, you were at least one of their ages related to one of the main characters or maybe all of them, the confused teenager, the skeptic or the supernatural ones. The ones who take it seriously or simply the kid that can't wait to celebrate and dress up for Halloween. It is cleverly blueprinted for relatability. As the story progresses, we also hit, like good old Disney fashion dictates, with a somewhat eerie musical number, one from Sarah Jessica Parker, where the film transitions carefully into an unnerving, mysterious song that does send goosebumps down your back. And one outrageously catchy song. That Bette Milder explodes on stage that gives us a sort of concert vibe that again fits to the film's erratic tones that at the time remains composed with these atmospheric Halloween vibes it never loses throughout the entire film. Everything you want from a Halloween movie is ticked. The mythology is explained in classroom. We have flashbacks to set up the 17th century. We have the establishment of the children and different perspectives on Halloween. We have three memorable characters that are lost in time, trying not to just kill children, but comedically fit into today's world. It's a film that manages to not exploit gore or scare, but value and family to firefight the Sanson sisters from their songs, their spells, and their very spooky book. Once again, something that as we get older becomes more apparent in our lives, whether it's in the form of a memory, a book, or a film, nostalgia takes center stage as we enter into adulthood. The kids that love this film, the films are the now adults who will most undoubtedly introduce this film to their kids, and thus the legacy of Hocus Pocus will live on, just like the Sanderson sisters have done so 300 years in the movie and 30 years in real life. But that's all I have time for with Hocus Pocus. Hopefully you appreciate the sequel out now on Disney Plus and a movie that unexpectedly filled our hearts with the perfect idea of what Halloween should be. And because it was that sentimental, it remains with us a great movie that will continue a legacy that will hopefully taint the next generation with the very same thoughts it did when we saw this film in the early 90s. Please subscribe to me on iTunes, Spotify, Google and Amazon and you can follow me on Instagram, that's Film Exploration AH or lowercase or one word. But for now, thank you for listening to Season 12 with Film Exploration with Ash Hurry. Hurry.